Please turn with me to chapter 1 of Luke, verses 26 to 45, which can also be found on page 8 of your bulletin. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This is God's word. We're taking a break from our current series in Genesis and uh, to observe the Advent. The Advent in Latin means coming, the coming of Christ. And uh, Christians celebrate the birth of Christ in anticipation of his return. And uh, we're looking at people throughout the last couple weeks, people who are mentioned in scripture at the time of Jesus' birth. We looked at Joseph and we looked at the shepherds. Today we're looking at Mary. And uh, Mary, you know, this whole mini-series teaches us what happens as Jesus comes nearer, as he comes into our lives. And we said that whenever Christ comes near, whenever Jesus comes close to us in our lives, our lives are met with suffering. There's inner conflict, there's anxiety, there's sometimes uh, almost seeming despair. And that's really a sign or indicator that Jesus is coming near. There's two points, two points today's message. The first is the message, the message of the angel. And the second is the response, Mary's response. The angel's message, Mary's response. Incidentally, it's our message then, and then how how we are to respond. Um, first, the message. If you look at verse 31, what is the message of the angel? The angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 31, his name is Jesus. It means rescuer. 
32, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be the son of the most high. Verse 33, he's gonna reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 35, he's the holy one. He's the son of God. The angel says, Mary, the power of God, the presence of God is gonna come upon you. And, and in essence, what he's saying is, the one to be born is the holy one. Now, what does that mean? The one to be born is the holy one. The message is this, the most high has become the most low. God is far greater than we could have ever imagined, far greater than we could have ever imagined. He's unlimited, and yet he's become a baby. He's become contained to rescue us. God is far greater, but he's come to rescue us, which means he's become the most low, which means we're more sinful than we ever thought, than we ever imagined. The message is stop seeking the heights. If you want to find God, seek the depths. Seek the depths as a result. In other words, Jesus came to be more than a teacher, more than a religious leader, more than some, some um, uh, person who's going to give us spiritual advice. Judaism and Islam teach us that God is too great to be limited. He can't be contained. Buddhism, the Eastern religions say that you can't contain, you can't limit the concept of God. But Christianity says what makes God great the reason why God is great is that he is king. He is the most high. And he's become a baby. He is also the most low. He's become the most low. That's why he's so great. Now, how does that work? Think about it this way. When you talk to a baby, when you talk to a baby, you can become like a baby. You coo. You, you imitate being a baby. You make faces at the baby. The way a baby makes faces, you can laugh at the baby. The baby cries. You can figure out and understand why the baby is crying, what his needs are, what his wants are. But the baby will never be able to sit with you and talk philosophy with you. He will never be able to review a book the way you look at a book and review a book. He will never be able to watch a movie. He can stare at a TV screen, but he will never be able to watch a movie and tell you what his interpretation of, of the director's intent. In the same way, you can speak into somebody who's depressed, but somebody who's depressed will never be able to speak into the joy of another person. You can, in the power of the higher to enter into the lower, to enter into the depths, that's the characteristic of being great. The, the power, the, the lower person's inability to enter into the world of the great, that's the quality of its lowness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, the Holy One, the Great One, has become sin. That's a characteristic. It's the quality of his greatness. Because sinfulness, the sinfulness cannot, it's unable to enter into holiness, cannot make holiness as known. Does that make sense to you? You know, the unselfish cannot understand uh, can understand the selfishness, but selfish people, the selfish, base nature of selfishness cannot understand what it means to be unselfish. In this case, the greatness has entered into the world of the lesser. The Almighty has become weak. God himself has become human, and that's the gift. Our gifts define our needs. For instance, I'm taking this illustration from somebody else. You know, let's say for Christmas, I get several gifts. I get um, Rogaine, exercise DVDs, 
you know, a book, How to Win Friends, Influence People. What does that really mean? Basically what it means is what the person's telling me is, you know, I'm balding, I'm getting fat, and, and I'm obnoxious or arrogant as a person. That's basically what it means, right? You know, you're, the gifts that you get, accepting gifts, the application of a gift that you receive, you have to accept certain things about yourself. You can't accept gifts without admitting certain things about yourself. God gave us his son. He emptied himself, everything that he was. You know, what does that mean? What do we have to accept? That means that we are so bad that nothing less than God could come and save us. That's what it means. That's the beauty of Christmas. That's the beauty of the meaning of Christmas. It's a, it's a mini unraveling of the gospel. You know, because what does it tell us? That God is so great, and yet we are so sinful, and yet he is so loving. We are so sinful, it had to be God. Yet God is so loving, he wanted it to be God. That's the meaning of Christmas. Now for Mary, the penny hadn't dropped until she actually visited Elizabeth. She, she kind of understood, but not really, until she actually saw Elizabeth. Um, she wasn't filled with joy. You don't see the joy. The song doesn't come till later on, the Magnificat, which we read as part of our call to worship. That didn't happen until later on, um, after she saw Elizabeth. The angel says, even Elizabeth is touched by God. This barren woman is now with child. Go see Elizabeth. That's what the angel says. So Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and, and this is what Elizabeth has to say. Elizabeth has tremendous insight for Mary. That's what we're reading, right? And this is all before the song, before the transformation. Elizabeth has to actually explain what Mary has in her, in her womb. Because, you know, as soon as she sees Mary, she sees and she knows who Mary is. And Elizabeth bestows an honor to Mary that Mary had not expected. She herself was surprised in a way to receive such an honor in, in a way. And, and what, what we see here, is, you know, Mary is struck by this honor. She's struck by the honor. She says, blessed are you. But then at the same time, she's struck by what Elizabeth has to say about Jesus. And you know what this is like? Mary has this gift. She receives this gift, and she opens up this gift, and there's this jewel. But she doesn't know the worth of the jewel. She's not a jeweler, so what does she do? She goes to a woman like Elizabeth, and Elizabeth happens to be this jeweler. Tremendous insight into what Mary is holding in her hand. So, you know, Elizabeth, this jeweler, puts on the loop, the eyeglass for a jeweler, and she, the moment she sees and beholds this jewel, the loop, the eyepiece pops out. She has to grasp the side of the wall. Her breath, she's trying to catch her breath. She's hyperventilating. And when she looks at Mary, she says, do you, she's trembling. And she says, Mary, do you know what you are holding? What you are holding is by far the most precious gem that has ever existed on this earth. I have never seen anything like it. That's what you're holding. And that's, what, and that's Mary. Mary doesn't get it until then because what she received was this amazing truth. That's the gift. That the Most High has become a baby. That's the gift. It's an, and there's an amazing truth there. If you look at verse 45, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed is the person who takes in what you already have. And, and he says, this is the message of the Lord. 
Verse 43, she says, why am I so favored that I get to behold Mary? Mary is the mother of my Lord. So it's interesting. Verse 45, she says, blessed is the person who receives, who takes in what the Lord has sent, what the Lord has said. Verse 43, she says, Mary, you're the mother of my Lord. In other words, Mary, the Lord sent the message of the Lord in the Lord who is in your belly. The Lord sent the Lord in your belly. It's an amazing truth. That's the gift, an amazing truth. In other words, what she's saying is the person in your womb is every bit as much as the Lord, the Lord, as the one who has sent him, as the Father who has sent him. The infinite has become finite. All power has become all weakness. A baby, a a baby is the most fragile type of human being you will ever be able to witness on earth. The most high has become the most weak. The immortal has become mortal, vulnerable, killable. The omnipotent has become all weakness, all impotent. The idea, the dream, the conception has become reality. And, And she says, I'm favored and you are blessed. If you grasp hold of this truth, it's going to change you, it's going to transform you, it's going to remake you. That's the message. That's the who. Now, what's Mary's response? Mary's response is our response. How do you believe this, in other words? How do you experience the gift, holding on, beholding the gift? How do you get it? And there's several things. First, look at Mary, verse 28 and verse 29. <clears throat> The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel comes to Mary and says, You're blessed. The Lord is with you. And, and gives her this message. And Mary doesn't say, You know, what an honor. I'm honored by such blessing. And I will do as the Lord says. That's not what she says. We want that to be the case because um, we think it's going to make a strong case for Christianity, but that's not what she says here. It actually says in verse 29, she was greatly distressed. She was greatly troubled. She was deeply troubled, and it actually says, and then she wondered about the message. And the word wonder here um, is the Greek word where we get the word uh, logic, logistimai, logistimai, right? And uh, mainly what it means is that with sobriety, she took in what the angel said and she analyzed it feverishly. She took it, she started processing it. What kind of, what is this message? Is this a dream? Is this, is this real? And she's thinking it through and she's processing it. She's saying, you know, I can't believe this. I can't believe this message. But then she starts thinking about it and she's processing it. Now, Mary's a religious woman. But she, in her paradigm, in her worldview, um, she never imagined this kind of spiritual experience. And and that means that it calls every one of us here in this room to think it through. We have to reason out the message. We have to rethink this message. We have to reconsider this message. I mean, if you're a skeptic, don't just reject the message. That's not only unwise. That's not intelligent. Look at Mary, uneducated, probably illiterate, impoverished, and yet she's processing the message. She's thinking about it. That calls us to process the message. Verse 34, she says, how can this be? How can this be? Mary's saying, you know, this is incredibly hard to believe, but my mind is open. She's not asking like like a skeptic. She's opening her mind. She's actually opening up the whole of herself. How do you know that God is entering into your life? It's when your intellect, your, your resources, your brain, all your faculties are being challenged. 
Whatever is happening to me right now, whatever I'm encountering right now, whatever I'm hearing, I'm taking it in, but I realize it takes more than my intellect, more than my heart, more than my strength or ability, more than my soul alone to to grasp it. It's going to take all of me to grasp this amazing truth that I'm being told here. That's what it means to be sober and to reason. Now, the second thing she does, we see, she says, how can this be? Verse 34, she's humble and yet she's honest. In other words, she's doubtful. She's greatly distressed and she's, she's afraid, you know, because the angel says, do not be afraid. And yet now she says, how can this be? In other words, she's asking lots of questions. What is she doing? She's praying. She has honest doubts, but she's humble. She's not asking, like, oh, how can this be, like, like a cynic. She's asking, how? I'm open. Tell me. She's asking questions. She says, I, I don't understand. I mean, I've been a religious person all my life. Religious people have a hard time saying, I don't understand. She says, I don't, I don't get this. Lots of questions. She's actually, sincerely, honestly, sharing her doubts, and she's praying. She's speaking to an angel. What is prayer? If God is really there, then he's personal. We gotta go to him. We gotta go to him. You know, on one hand, you have to be willing to admit your inability to understand. You have to admit your, your weakness, your vulnerability, your doubts, your fears. But you can't be afraid to hope. You have to be honest, but you, but you have to have hope. You need to be brave enough to hope. But you don't just leave it there with hope. You have to be brave enough to ask questions, honest questions, things that you don't understand about life, confusion, things that bring you into confusion. Third, thirdly, you need to seek Elizabeth. Mary didn't fully understand until she went and saw Elizabeth. Mary didn't get it until Elizabeth actually explained it to her. What does that mean? We have to get into community. You need deep, enriching, gospel community in our lives. Elizabeth is the one who's going to explain to Mary. You need to process your thoughts soberly. You need to be honest and humble in asking questions, but you've got to do this in the context of community, a community that embraces the gospel and our understanding of Christ. Almost no one in this room who has come to the Lord came to the Lord on their own. I mean, if you think about it, you, can, you can't just skip in and out of things and expect to get it. You can't, you can't just get it by reading books. You know, you can, but on the hand, it's, it's insufficient. You need community in our lives. Don't be afraid to be Mary. Don't be afraid to be Elizabeth. Don't be afraid to seek after truth, and don't be afraid to give truth, to speak truth. You don't seek it unfaithfully as somebody who, you know, already, I already know what's going on. That's not so, sober, and that's not humble. You gotta seek truth. Mary isn't dumb. She's a religious person. You gotta seek truth because you know, you wanna know. This, this, Mary starts out with a semi-comprehension you know, when she says, you know, I will do, you know, I am the Lord's servant, there's a semi-comprehension, but you don't see any joy. When does the joy come? Until she gets in the community and she fully understands. Now, a lot of us, we're in seasons of work where it's difficult to get into community. But try. You got to try to plug in. You got to try to plug in and seek community when you have the opportunity to do so because that's how we understand. God himself is community. So the only way you can truly and fully and wholly understand and comprehend the greatness of God is to be in community. That's how we're built. Now, she's open to understand. We see the, the value of fellowship. What's the purpose of fellowship? Sometimes when you come to spiritual truths, it doesn't become real 
And it needs to, it doesn't become real until you're processing it in community, but it, doesn't bec- it needs to become validated. A spiritual truth or a spiritual experience by itself is just a personal spiritual experience. You need it confirmed, you need it validated, you need people, deep gospel-loving people in our lives who can counsel, who can give us counsel and, and advice and validate what we're going through. Get plugged, get plugged in. Come into community, get into fellowship. And lastly, we see Mary demonstrating submission. Courage, courage and submission. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. We see that Mary's not even allowed to name her own child. She's gonna go through the pains of childbirth. And if you read books like Freakonomics, Stephen Levitt, Stephen Dovner, they, they tell you that you know, one of the greatest, um, one of the first acts of ownership of a child is the ability to name that child. And that's why people, parents take tremendous stock in finding the name, finding a name, an adequate and suitable name for their children. But here, Mary is, that right is taken away from Mary. The angel says, you're gonna name him Jesus, rescuer. And, and what that means is that, you know, Mary, I'm taking away your ownership, I'm taking away your authority over this child. Why? Why is she not allowed to demonstrate authority and ownership over this child? And the reason is because of this. Jesus is the first child and the only child who's gonna be older than his parents are. Jesus at birth is older already than his parents. He's the, he's the ancient of days. That's what the Bible calls him. And therefore, Mary needs to submit. You don't have authority, you actually have to be submissive to authority. Now some people say, how do you look at this? Some people say, you know, I wanna be a Christian, but does that mean I have to give up sex and drugs or my money? And what you're really saying is this, I can surrender as long as I can still have control over my life. But what you really have to say is this, I don't know what it's gonna bring me, I don't know where it's gonna lead me, I'm giving up control. In verse 38, Mary says, may it be to me. She understands the risks. She's processing it, right? She's, she's logically processing the risk, the cost. You know, you can't say, you know, I tried, but I just can't believe, you can't do that. Look at Mary, her prayer. All of us can pray Mary's prayer. I am the Lord's servant. Huge costs. What's her prayer? May it be a disgrace. May it be. Come what may. I'm probably going to lose Joseph because basically I'm pregnant with someone that's not his child. She knew. I'm probably going to become outcast. I'm going to lose all social and cultural worth. There's no happiness in the suffering that I'm enduring here. There's no catharsis, there's no, there's no release. But notice, she doesn't say, I'm gonna suffer if you help me. She says, if you look at her song, she says, I'm gonna suffer because you saved me. I'm gonna suffer because this child in my womb is gonna save me. God came to me. She's encountered God. There's an amazing courage that comes out. In the beginning, semi-comprehension, she kind of understands. She has to meet Elizabeth. Elizabeth then explains everything to her. That's all of a sudden, it dawns on her. The courage comes because she grasps the truth of this amazing gift that she's received, that the angels brought to her in a message, that her community is brought out fully, and then the experience comes. Mainly what she's saying is, you know, it's worth it all. Everything, my reputation, it's worth everything. I see the evidence, I see what's going on, and I realize that I'm gonna keep giving up a lot, I'm gonna be sacrificing a lot, I'm gonna be suffering a lot, but I'm gonna give up everything, and then the experience comes. A lot of us, we're looking for the experience, and then we wanna commit. Mary here says, I don't really fully understand what I've got here, but I'm gonna do, 
I'm going to obey. I'm going to submit. Then the experience comes. That's how Christianity works. That's how faith works. If you're you're waiting to make the decision, once the experience comes, you're never going to make the decision. The fullness of the fulfillment comes once the decision is made, once the commitment is made. Once the ex- that's when you get the experience. It's not always, Christianity is not always fulfilling. Sometimes there's suffering, but eventually there's joy, amazing joy. The song, the Magnificat, that's uh, verses 46 to 55. Mary isn't now writing prose. She's writing poetry. She's singing. She says, my soul will glorify the Lord. My soul is going to magnify. My soul doth magnify the Lord. What was given to her? She realized she was getting more than just a baby, more than just a son. She was getting a truth that God was going to give us something that once we take it in, once we plant it in, it's going to change everything in our lives. That's the blessing. Mary, do you believe that this is really going to happen, not just physically, but spiritually for your life? That's the question for us, because if you do, if you do, you will be blessed. Life is going to transform. Our experience, the way we see the world, everything will change. Blessed are you if you see what Elizabeth sees, the message of the Lord. Transformed are you. That's what Elizabeth says to to Mary. Transformed are you. Shalom is your life. You're going to experience the deep shalom of life. Now, a little bit about Mary's song. If you turn to the, the call to worship, we didn't really focus a lot on that here, but Mary's song, you know, and I'm just going to put it in a nutshell. It's a little bit about me and everything else about him. That's basically what it is. My, my, my. Three times she says, my, 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 and then after that, it's all about Jesus. And even the my, my, my is about Jesus anyways. She says a few things about herself, but most of it is focused on Jesus himself. Now, Protestants and Catholics, we have Catholics in this room Pay close attention. We all have to pay close attention to this. Mary now knows that she's going to become an inspiration for all generations. Protestants, we need, to, we need to take that in a little bit. We need to honor that a little bit. But she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In other words, I'm a sinner. I'm not holy. If, you're, if you grew up in the Catholic faith, you need to pay attention to that. You know, uh, she says, my spirit and my soul. In other words, you know, she's not saying, you know, my spirit, my soul are separate and they're both glorifying the Lord. What she's saying is that my, she's writing poetry here. The whole person, all of me. It's not, it's not two parts of a whole. She's, she's singing poetry. She's saying, she's saying I, I, found, I haven't just found a new knowledge. I didn't come to it, just a new understanding. She's singing. You know how you sing? When you sing, it's different. A different part of your brain, they say, is activated when you're singing. But in reality, the only thing that gets you to fully sing, you know, outside of just repeating something that somebody else has written, the only time that you truly and fully sing is when all of you is overwhelmed by something. That is a song. And that's what she's saying. She's saying, my core, my center, I'm shaken to the depths, and the response is a song. That's why I'm singing. When's the last time? you ever sat in church and you felt that way for yourself? You need the gift again. We need to see this gift and we need to plant that into our soul so that our soul can sing. Look to the reality. Look to the truth of Jesus. Greatness has become sin so that we can become truly, truly, fully, and wholly great. Plant that truth 
deep, you gotta just keep planting it. And if it doesn't get you, you gotta keep planting it. Get it into the core of your idolatries. Get it into the core of all the things that you desire. Let it get past that, let it go deeper, let it go deeper until you burst out in song. The song's about Jesus, now who is Jesus? In Mark chapter one, Jesus is being baptized. And it says that the heavens opened up and the spirit, much like what's going on here, it says the spirit will come to you and, and over, overshadow you to hear. That's, that's what the angel says to Mary. It says that the spirit descended on Jesus, came to Jesus like a dove. And the heavens opened up and God speaks out and says, this is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. The spirit came upon Jesus, the son of God. Now Jesus has grown up and he's at, the, he's at the, the career peak of his life. He's in Gethsemane. And what is he doing? He's praying. And what does he pray? Luke chapter 22, towards the end of this book, verse 43. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. The cup of God's wrath, that's what he's talking about. Will you take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm processing everything that's about to happen to me in the next few days. I'm being sober, but I'm processing it feverishly. And, and I'm being humble, but I'm requesting. I'm praying. I'm being honest. And he says, my soul and my spirit has been overwhelmed to the point of death in Gethsemane. He says, will you take this cup from me, the cup of your wrath, Yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, like Mary, he says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary has the strength and the courage to suffer. Why? She says, I am the Lord's servant. Why? Because she's such, such a great and honorable person? No, because we see Mary had tremendous fear. She was greatly distressed. It's because she points to one greater than herself. Mary didn't even realize all that was going to happen the years going by. But Jesus, at Gethsemane, knew what would happen. And he's processing it. And he's reasoning it. He's feverishly processing it. Everything that's going to happen. And he submits. He says, my spirit and my soul. He's not just thinking about the physical pain that he's going to endure. What he, he knows that on the cross, God will forsake him. The angel comes to Mary and says, the Lord is with you. Why? Why can the Lord be with us so that we can receive the gift and plant it and let it transform us? Why? Because on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've lost the Father. We can receive the Father. Why? Because Jesus lost the Father. We can receive the gift. Why? Because what did Jesus receive as God's son? He lost the Father. Cosmic suffering. Mary risked losing union with Joseph. Jesus lost union completely with his Father on the cross. Mary suffers social loss, rejection. Jesus on the cross says, I am rejected. Not just physically, everybody else around him is rejecting him. But cosmically, the Father has abandoned me. The Father has disowned me. The Father has, has let me go. And if you really believe that Jesus experienced cosmic loss on the cross, then you would, you would trust and you would know that God then, in heaven, has lost has experienced loss as Jesus was on the cross. Jesus became the curse. In the book of Galatians, it says Jesus became the curse. Why? He said, we hear, blessed are you who take these truths in. It will transform your lives. 
Jesus received the curse so that we can be blessed. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow. Why? So that we can be blessed. That is the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is that we received a gift that if we take it in, we just take it in, we just digest it. You know, when we stand before the communion, the reason why we have communion, it's set in the context of a meal. Why? Because it's meant to be taken in. We've got to absorb it. Will you do that? The simple lesson is go to God with everything. Just be honest. Go to God with your fears. Go to God with your anger. Go to God with your, with your dejection. Sometimes you don't believe, go to God with that. Pray to him. Go to him with your complaints, with your fears, with your doubts, with everything. But the complex lesson is what? The advanced lesson is what? You've got to trust God with everything. You've got to trust God. Ultimate surrender. And when you surrender, then you will sing. Let's pray.